we're starting again. <laughs> All right, guys, welcome back. This is the Life Below Parallel podcast. I'm sitting here with Ron White and our new friend, Adam Saucedo. Adam is uh, going to tell you a little bit more about himself, but we met over the last week um, out in California where he's from um, working with some mutual friends. And we're in the same space, let's say. And I really liked what Adam had to say and what his opinions were about some things we talked about. Um, so I, I asked him to come on and hopefully we can get some good stuff out of here. So Adam, why don't you go ahead and just tell us a little bit about what you do and introduce yourself. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you, first of all, for having me on. Um, so I'm a mindset coach. So what I do is I really help my clients, whether in the fitness world, business world, or sport world, help them dive into their full potential as a performer. So what I help them do is understand the mindset skills necessary to sustain performance, but also the lifestyle that's required to be able to have a full holistic view of themselves as a performer. So for me, it's really about helping them understand, build stronger self-awareness about themselves, and really be able to start to gain tools and skill sets that are going to help them really overcome the daily challenges and even just meet the needs that they have each day. So what are, um, what are some barriers that you tend to see in people's way? And I'm talking like a broad, you know, general thing, not, not very mm -hmm. just yet. What are, what are barriers that you help people to overcome? Definitely. So it could be things like self-confidence issues. It could be uh, motivational issues too. So being able to sustain motivation over a long-term period. Um, other things I work on is goal setting. So helping people be able to stay focused, concentrated at their tasks. Um, I also work with visualization, uh, being able to help people really see it before they start to really act on their performances. So really being able to almost believe themselves before they see it actually in action. Um, another big thing I work on is, is also communication skills because at the end of the day, a lot of people are still managing and trying to figure out their own communication styles and being able to meet the needs of the different people that they're interacting with to really helping them identify how to become more emotionally intelligent and really understand the subtle nuances that are going on in the different interactions that they have each day. So my work is pretty broad, but um, it's really about performance um, sustainability. And for me, what comes into mind is really energy allocation, energy management. So for me, it's about understanding how to be able to put your energy and focus in the right areas throughout the day to be able to max out your own performance capacity. And that's something we spoke about um, on our little hike the other day about, uh, you, you mentioned like compartmentalizing um, your feelings almost. And when I think of that, it's almost a negative thing. Like you're putting things away. What are, you know, is there a risk there where those things might just come back to bite you in the ass or? Yes. So when I say compartmentalizing, it's not putting it under the rug. Mm -hmm. Okay. Really what it is, is putting it on a shelf to be able to be dealt with later. So we want to make sure that even though maybe it's not the right time to be focusing on whatever those thoughts are, maybe it's anxious thoughts, maybe it's disappointing thoughts. Um, those thoughts that are obviously negative in its sense, you know, we want to make sure that those things are not impeding that current performance. So if they're not helping you, then we need to put it away for a moment and readdress it at a later date. So either whether that's, you know, tell, telling yourself that I'm going to table this till later this evening, or I'm going to wait till the weekend where I have a little bit more space and time to really unpack some of that information. 
So it's not a matter of just kind of brushing out the rug, forgetting about it, and just allowing it to then eventually get big enough where it's going to explode. We do want to address these things. We don't want to just put them away completely. But I do agree that there is an importance to be able to know when it's the right time to be focusing on things and really making sure that we have positive attention when we're trying to have a positive performance. Is that hard for people to, you know, focus their attention on the, the task at hand or the priority? And, you know, even if there's anxiety or, or stress that's kind of lingering behind. Yes, I would say we live in a very distracted world. Yeah. So to be able to have people know how to concentrate, know how to focus, know how to be mindful of their own thoughts and feelings, it's not an easy task. It is something that needs to be conditioned, something that needs to be worked on consistently in order for it to become a skill set that they can use to their advantage. So that is something that I work on with my clients, really helping them instill those concentration skill sets, those mindfulness skills, so that when they're in the moment and they're focusing on things that are really not going to serve them, they're able to shift their focus in that moment to be able to understand what the next steps that are going to benefit them. And so it's a skill set that just like anyone else, just like whether it's a skill like gymnastics work or some weightlifting work, um, you know, all of those things require repetition and consistency in order for those to become a strength. So we live in a distracted world. Well, we are we're a product of our world. So we really need to start working on building that mindfulness techniques, understanding how you best operate in certain um, areas of your life, because a lot of those skill sets are transferable. If you're really great at concentrating in the workplace, well, we can be able to use that same skill set and start to use that as concentration in a workout, or even, let's say, being able to concentrate with your spouse or loved one. So those are things that we need to start to maybe connect the dots a little bit more, but you know, I think that people do have these, these skill sets. It's just we need to start to understand how to be able to be creative in that application. Do you find that people are just like all wired differently and you have to adapt your techniques to meet their needs? Obviously, that's true. But um, do you struggle with that at some points? You know, I think at this point, being 10 years in the business, you know, I've seen a lot of different styles of people, different personalities. So for me, it's not necessarily an initial hangup, but it's something that I do have to recognize and really work at different approaches when I see those, those uh, variances. So for me, it really has not been a struggle, but it's more of like, it's like a puzzle. So I look at it as, okay, how am I going to connect with this person? How am I gonna help this person customize these skill sets? Because you're right, everyone is wired differently. So to be able to really help them customize and meet their specific needs is something that I really try to help them attain. So I don't have a cookie cutter approach. I do have best practices that I do share with my clients so that they can start to understand these things and start to really um, get a better um, awareness around how to be able to integrate these things. But at the end of the day, it's really an experiment. They're going to go out into the real world, test some of these things, see if they work. If they're viable, great. We stay on that, la on that, in that lane. If they're not, we kind of retool, we adjust, and then we re-experiment. So for me, it's always about just constantly going out into these performances with that lens of experimenting so that we can get some really good feedback back that's gonna help us understand what next steps to take. Let's, let's go back a little bit. Yeah. You, you went to college, Santa Clara, right? Yes. And played rugby. I and did. Tell us a little bit about that. And you, you weren't athletic or you, didn't, you weren't into sports before that, right? No, actually, so I was an athlete my entire life. So baseball, basketball, soccer growing up, it was something that obviously was a big part of my identity. And so sports and, and fitness have always been a part of my life. 
But what, I ha what happened was my junior year in the recruitment process as a pitcher um, was battling a lot of injuries. And for me, it wasn't going to be looking in the cards to, to take my game to that next level. So I really switched my focus, really put it on the academic end, and really put a, put, made a push towards getting an academic scholarship to Santa Clara. And I was able to get um, some of my schooling paid for, which was great. Um, but at the end of the day, I needed and I yearned for a sports outlet. And so I found myself in the gym, second week of school, and a big guy came up to me and told me, hey, you're a big guy, you need to come out to the rugby team. And so I, I checked out practice. I loved the community, loved the, the stimulus. And after not playing any contact sports my entire life, jumped in full force and loved it. And by end of the season, I was starting as a freshman over juniors and seniors. So obviously I had the athletic, athletic aptitude, but it was just a matter of just trying to like learn a whole new sport with you know also going into a transition of being a student at a new school. I mean, it was a lot on my plate, but it was just an amazing experience. And I played for all four years. I did play a little bit beyond, but my body did not want it, want it after college. <laughs> my body was done with it. I definitely had had my, my bruises and licks. And so I needed to make sure that I transitioned. And actually that really helped me uh, find fitness as my new outlet is so you said like you were trying to keep up your academic um, career um, at a higher level keep your scholarship and learn a new sport do all these and and be a college student was that like your first um, introduction to what you practice now like trying to focus on what's the, at hand or that, those priorities Yes. I mean, I had to put on many different hats. And I think that was the real first, I guess that was the first time I really saw the fact that there was different performances in my life that were going to require me to be at my best. And I think that's now the formula that I use for my clients, but I don't think it was necessarily something I identified formally when I was going through it as a college student. Obviously, as a psychology student as well, I was starting to finally learn a little bit more about myself, to so understand the mind and the body connection. But I think it wasn't really until I got into grad school, really started focusing on sports psychology. That was really where I started to really connect these the dots for myself and start to integrate them for my own self. And that was, I think, the biggest game changer for me was when I started to actually use and live these skill sets and saw that benefit, I could start speaking from a space of confidence. I could start speaking from a place of knowing. And that right there just speaks volumes to my clients when I'm living and breathing this and not just trying to just speak it because I've learned it in a book. Mm -hmm. When did you start to realize that you could share what you were developing within with others? You know, I think it was probably my first uh, semester in grad school and really starting to work. We were doing a lot of applied work. So we we're doing a lot of testing with, um, you know, putting ourselves in very uncomfortable positions, you know, on the spot with different people in our cohort and really learning to speak our truth. And that was not easy because at the end of the day, we were still learning that truth. So we didn't even know if we even owned that yet. And so but I noticed that I had a natural knack towards being able to at least articulate myself, explain these topics, and people were starting to respond in a positive way. And because of that, that a little bit of positive reinforcement really helped me understand that I was moving in the right direction and really made me want to uh, focus on this even further. And so I think that's where I really got inspired was when I started to actually do the work, speak the, the language, and then people actually responding in a positive way to it. Now, 
did you know like right away that like once you started getting that reaction that you wanted to start working yourself towards the competitive side of you know of sport like and working with those people um versus just regular you know non non-athletic people yeah i guess no, what I, i'm trying to ask yeah i totally i understand what you're saying so for me because i was always an athlete i was always you know um inspired by high high performing athletes so i wanted to move in that direction because at the end of the day that was something that i was passionate about and something I had personal experience just being an athlete myself. So that was always the first place that I wanted to go in was working in athletics, being able to really focus on helping my, these next generation of athletes gain skill sets that I never knew of. And I wish that I had because there were so many experiences where I was in my own head, so many experiences where I felt like it was just so inconsistent because one day I'd be playing great, the other day I wasn't playing great, and I didn't know what was happening because the same type of preparation was occurring. It was obviously the mindset or the emotional control. So I was, I didn't have the, the tools equipped to be able to manage that. So that was definitely something that I wanted to pay it forward to that next generation of athletes. What I recognized was that this work was more universal than I recognized when I was first getting into the field. And so I wanted to really focus in on exercise and fitness world as well. And even just looking at the fact that there was competitors in the fitness world that I wanted to work with. And then on the other side, the last phase about five or six years ago, I really recognized that there was a need in the business world. And there was so many parallels between the fitness world and the sport world and the business world in terms of leadership qualities, in terms of team building, in terms of communication skills, in terms of motivation and just daily performance output. And so all of those things really spoke to me. And I've been able to now move into multiple domains and really use this work um, to be able to benefit those different types of performers. Can, can you give an example of, uh, of ways that, you know, these practices and discipline in sport or athletics has helped individuals overcome obstacles in other areas of their lives? Definitely. So I always am a big proponent of sport and athletics as a vehicle for personal development. So to be able to use those times in the gym where, first of all, this is something that you get to do, not a have to. And so we're choosing to go into this environment. We're choosing to push ourselves and to really seek out even more, um, you know, personal understanding, maybe even just finding that outlet for stress relief. I mean, this is a very personal space that people are creating for themselves. So when I saw that there's this parallel between some of the challenges they were having in their in their athletic life, as well as some of the parallels they were having in their personal life, I would start to have them experiment in their sport or their exercise life before we start to now change up things in their personal life or their work life. So to be able to now have a place where if you fail, you fail forward. It's not the end of the world. This is not you losing your job. This is not you losing your spouse. This is an opportunity for you to learn about yourself and really have a reflective lens after the process to be able to gain some understanding about what you learned about yourself through that process. And I, I always say that the toughest lifts really show and reveal our truest character. And so, you know, how you react in those moments when you miss a lift, how you react when you hit that lift, those are reactions that are based on pure passion. And so we have an opportunity to recognize that pure emotionality that can take place in the exercise life can also be something that we can also take into our, our personal life and our business life. 
So the big one for me is understanding how we look at things with perspective, how we're able to speak to ourselves with confidence and with compassion, so that even if maybe at the end of the day, we don't have a good showing in terms of results, we can still be able to find that silver lining. We're learning how to be able to really gain those skills so that when we evaluate things in our personal life, we don't have to be so self-critical. So one of the topics that Ron and I talk about a lot is almost a, a fear of change or a fear of failure. And mm-hmm. Ron asked me earlier, before you got on, what my definition was of toxic masculinity. Okay. Are you able to expand on that and how it relates to what we're talking about? Yeah. Well, you know, for me, toxic masculinity is just like the hyper version of, uh, of the masculinity or the masculine identity. And so with this is like almost to the extreme of all of the, the positive out, uh, attributes that could be present in a masculine person. It's just to the extreme. And so for me, being able to temper that is always important. And one of the big things is this idea of social comparison. And so if we're always comparing ourselves to what other guys in the gym are doing, we're not giving ourselves a fair um, reflection of our own development and our own growth process. And so for me, those two things go hand in hand because if we're unable to maybe push ourselves in a certain direction because we're fearful of what other people are going to think, or if we don't make those things, what kind of opinions are people going to have of us? You know, those are things that are holding us back from really being vulnerable and really being able to show that level of transparency, not only to yourself, but to others so that you're able to now really own whatever that result is. And it doesn't matter how it compares to anyone else or how anyone else views you. It's how you view yourself. And at the end of the day, that's what really is going to create this, this very positive masculine identity when you're able to own both your highs, your lows, and everything in between, and you're not fearful of what the results are going to be, but you're just focused on the process and getting better every day and really striving for excellence. How do you overcome that fear of failure, though, that, that fear of or embarrassment sometimes? Yeah. I think that's what we see mostly is not they're afraid to fail, but they're afraid to fail in front of others. Mm-hmm. So first, it has to be a safe place for people to fail. Right, so it does really be a contingent on the community that 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 space that is being held for these athletes. So that's the first, first, first and foremost place we have to start to consider is just recognizing that it has to be a safe place for people to feel comfortable failing and failing forward. And so the main thing though is where are their, you know, what are they thinking about prior to that lift or prior to that workout? That's really creating this level of pressure to have to succeed in the outward way. And so it, I understand that on maybe certain like benchmark days, we're trying to achieve maybe a certain result because that's gonna help us understand where we are um, in our progression as an athlete. But at the end of the day, we have to recognize that there's so many variables outside of our control that could contribute to whether or not we're able to succeed in that movement or in that workout every single day. And if we're not considering those things, we're not giving ourselves really a fair evaluation of what the performance looks like. So we need to make sure that we're really being able to, to look at this, uh, look at our performances with a um, more clear lens around, first of all, compassion, as well as being able to look at it with understanding of perspective. What is the big picture here? What else happened? Did I get a good night's sleep? Did I get enough to eat today? Did I have an argument with my, my girlfriend or spouse the day before? And all of those things are potentially energy drainers that could potentially impact our performance output on any given day. So for me, it's making sure that we're focusing on the right details, 
that we're speaking to ourselves with compassionate influence, and then making sure that we're evaluating our performance with a fair lens so that they're able to notice both uh, the positives, but also really critically look at what could, what could have gone wrong that could have maybe led to this performance without judging ourselves, just looking at it objectively. Okay, well, I didn't get a good night's sleep last night. Maybe that did contribute to, the, to my performance being lackluster. Or maybe I did have uh, uh, interaction with a friend that just didn't go the right way. Maybe I was holding on to that when I walked into the gym. So we have to just start to recognize and build stronger self-awareness because that's the first step to change. So you, um, you work with some corporations or CEOs or business leaders. What are, what are some characteristics or traits that you recognize in these people as, as good, like good characteristics for a strong mindset? Definitely. I think first thing is being able to allocate your energy appropriately. Being able to manage your energy is, is something that really sets apart those really good leaders from those really great leaders. Because what I see with the, just the good leaders is that any little wrong issue that may occur in a business, they're very reactive. And so immediately they're starting to, you know, point fingers, not just say like point fingers, but maybe like, you know, start to direct um, the, uh, the focus of the group without really a, a plan of action. So it's making sure that we're already, you know, moving in the right direction before we start to become now emotionally connected to the situation. So these, these great leaders are able to now put aside the emotion, rise above it, and then really look at this, uh, these situations with, a, um, with that perspective that gives them now an opportunity to, to really own that moment, not necessarily push it aside, and then give the direction that's necessary to their, their leadership or their, their employees. So we wanna make sure that they're understanding that that emotional reaction really is an energy drainer. It wastes that potential, which is now impacting their clarity of thought as well as their overall judgment. So that's a big one for me is just energy management. And the other one is really knowing your strengths, staying in your lane. So being able to be confident within yourself, being able to know what you can do and what you should not be doing, to be able to delegate appropriately, and to be able to make sure that you stay in your lane throughout whatever that performance looks like. And so that's not always easy because it really requires a high level of self-awareness as well as being able just to take ownership over your strengths. And for me, a lot of people are more focused on what they don't do well versus what they're able to do well. And I think we need to be able to write a list in the moment at any, at any given moment to be able to say, oh, wow, these are my strengths. I know these things. I own these things. And these are the things that I want to be able to put energy into because this helps me be at my best. And if I'm at my best, then I can help my others uh, that I lead. Ego can get in the way of that, though. Very true. Very I, true. I want to. I want to yeah, being go able back. to find that ego. Off, oh, go, ahead. go ahead. I want to go back a second. Yeah. Um, is toxic masculinity strictly something that's going to be experienced from a male, or can a female have this trait as well? I think that yeah, there could definitely be. We're, we're a duality in, in an essence of a body, okay? So we both have our male and our feminine aspects in, in each one of us. So any person can go to the extreme on either area of those, of those dynamics. So I, I would agree that there is definitely a potentiality, and I have seen that in, in some, um, some of my clients. And it's only in certain industries, but 
Um, I don't know. I, I, would, I wouldn't be an expert in that yet, but I would say that there is uh, a, a case for that based on what I've seen in my own practice. Okay. And where, where were you, what were you saying right before I interrupted you? About ego. Yeah, so it's just about ego. And it's really about understanding what is the ego, first of all, what situations that the ego maybe shows itself and reveals itself so that we can start to build stronger awareness so that we can prepare for those moments a little bit better. So if we know that the ego tends to come out and maybe in the boardroom or the ego comes out in the workout room, we can start to prepare ahead of time. We can start to think, okay, hey, you know what? I need to make sure that if I start to go down that direction where my ego starts to speak for myself, I need to check it in that moment. And so if we don't know what situations, we're not going to be prepared. It's going to now be a reactive situation, and that's where the ego is going to show itself. So we need to prepare better. We need to be able to know that the way that we prepare leads to the success of that performance. So we want to make sure that we're really owning um, – the different components to us. So yeah, maybe ego does come out right now. Maybe that's our, our default, but that doesn't have to be something that defines us moving forward. So even though that's your current comfort zone, we need to start to move away from that by just first of all, recognizing it and then leaning into it, leaning, uh, pushing against it really when it starts to reveal itself and not necessarily getting frustrated when it does, we have to be compassionate with ourselves. So if it does come about, we have to say, you know what, this is what it is. It's part of my default right now, and I know that I'm actively moving away from it, but if I continue to put energy into it, it's going to continue to persist. So I want to now back, take a couple steps back and really see if I can now create a new plan of action that's going to allow me to maybe see things from a new perspective and maybe even start to be a little more empathetic to the people that are around me. Um, I have a, one more question before we finish up. Um, okay. What's, what's one thing that, that – people listening to this can think, start to think about or maybe change today that could start to inspire some growth. Definitely. You know, I've spoke about this before, but this is something that is really critical, which is really starting to control our self-care and making sure that there's two areas of our self-care that directly impact our performance capacity. And it's really the daily bookends, the way we start our day and the way that we end our day. Those are the two times of our day that we really have full control over. Everything in between, we can be pulled in any direction. So we want to make sure that those two times of our day are, are dialed in, are, are routined, so that we can be able to now get some consistency and reliability in terms of the stimulus that we desire. And for me, the night, right, nighttime routine is really trying to promote a good night sleep, being able to get a restful night's sleep. Your, your sleep is a performance. And if we're not preparing ourselves for sleep, we're not going to be able to get the quality or the consistency that we, we desire. So just like if we were going to go into a workout, if you do something different before every single workout, we're going to expect different results. If we're trying to go to bed, we're doing different things before bed every single night, we're not going to get the same output of our performance in sleep. So that's a big one is starting to create an, a consistent nighttime routine where we're able to create the space and promote quietness and calmness prior to going to bed, putting away your devices, making sure that we're having limited amount of stress at the end of your day, making sure that we're really promoting that night's sleep that you desire. And then in the morning, making sure that we're setting our day up for success, energizing ourselves, activating ourselves, really planning out our day so that we know what we're trying to achieve, so that we have a plan, a plan of action, we have a roadmap, we're going to be able to hopefully do our best to achieve success. So those two things, it's all about routine to be able to create consistent performance throughout the day. 
Adam, do you have anything on your social media about the bookends? I, I just love Dude. that analogy. Yes, yes. I do have a couple videos. Um, I also have a snippet from another podcast that I did a while back um, that just you know promotes that. But yeah, that's something that I definitely do preach um, quite a bit. I think people don't look at performance starting the night before. You know, performance um, for me, the day of is really contingent on how well you set yourself up for success the night before. So if I'm going to go find that. that. What's that? I'm going to go find that so I can share it because that was, that was awesome. Uh, and here we are. Adam, thank you for uh, being here. And the last thing we want to know is what does a life below parallel mean to you? Well, life below parallel really just means about how, we're, how deep we're going. And for me, this is a direct parallel to the mindset and being able to go beyond the surface, really get deep and really understand that if we're trying to get the proper stimulus, we have to go deep for growth and, and development. So if we're not going below parallel, we're not going deep enough, we're not going to be able to know ourselves, we're not going to be able to achieve that growth and development that we desire. That's awesome. That, that was really that was really good. <laughs> hey Adam, if, if people want to either just chat or hire you, how can they how can they do that? What's the definitely so, so my uh, Instagram handle is Adam Sports Psych, and that's also what my uh, website is, adamsportpsych.com. Um, hopefully, you can put that in the notes below. And yeah. we, um, I am still available to take on some virtual clients at this point. Um, so, yes, I am definitely available on one-on-ones, but also I do group engagements. So I do team-building activities. Um, so I'm also for hire for that. And also doing any type of workshops, summits. Those are things that I've done. That's obviously where we met together. Yeah. Uh, at the NGFIT Collective Summit uh, last weekend. So to be able to, um, you know, do team building talks, inspirational talks, to provide um, uh, information around mindset, skill set development, all of those things are things that I do in my daily work and be more than happy to share that with anyone who's interested. That'd be great. I think uh, we, we always talked about doing at some point eventually a Life Below Parallel Summit with all the, the people that we've spoken to are, are like, you know, have different perspectives and just bringing people together who want to grow and want to, to challenge the way that they're thinking. And I think you'd be an awesome uh, uh, panelist for that. That'd be pretty cool. Um, awesome. And I might even follow up just for some personal coaching, but Adam, thank you so much. This was a great conversation. I hope everybody learned a little bit. I know Ron did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was quiet the whole time. I was just taking it all in. I love it. <laughs> All right, guys, have a great day. Thank you, Matt.